ELC Radio. Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. To Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Ramon. series called the double helix and it's called building blocks for your identity and if you don't know what a double helix is I've been saying every week it's basically what makes up your DNA uh, and your DNA is basically what you are made up of uh, your DNA determines the the color of your hair the color of your eyes the makeup of who you are well in the spirit we have a spiritual DNA as well we have a double helix in the spirit and your, your spiritual DNA defines who you are. But here's the big thing. People sometimes don't realize that they have a new DNA. The Bible says that when you come to Christ, you are now a new creature. All right? You're a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. So there is Sergio Lamone before I gave my life to Jesus and there's a Sergio Lamone that was born in 1990 uh, at Capital Christian when I walked down the aisle there and gave my life to the Lord. There's, there, there's a, I'm a new creature now. I'm made up of some other things, you know. Uh, uh, I don't like to do the things I used to do, okay? I don't like to do the things I used to do. Paul said it's the, it's the same thing as your old self or your flesh warring with your new flesh, your new self, Everybody here knows that challenge. There's that pull to be the old you, but we want you to live in the new creation realities of who you are now as a son or a daughter of God. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. The old you used to like to go to the club and get your drink on or your drink on. The, old, the new you doesn't like that. You know, the new you is accustomed to new wine. The Holy Spirit. But see, some of you can't break free of that old you. That old you will keep you going back to old places. The new you wants to teach you new things, new ways, new places, and new people. And so we've got to understand and, and renew our minds, as the book of Romans says, about who we are now as the new creatures. Because when you came to the altar and you gave your life to Jesus, if you meant that prayer, a new life started. And that's why Jesus called it being born again. You're born anew. You're somebody new. But here's the problem. If you remain ignorant, 
you stay the old you. And it's no fun being the old you because the old you is limited. The new you is unlimited. It's unlimited to the life that you can have. Amen? The only limit is your understanding, get ready, of who you are. And so some people go to church, but you still think like the old you. So we've been saying something that you've got to grasp today, and that is this. Right believing produces right living. And so my job as a pastor is try to give you the word so you could believe the right things and stop believing the wrong things or the things of the world or the things of the old nature. Because there are beliefs, if you, if you continue to subscribe to those beliefs, you'll never change. And so what people do that can't change is they wrestle with their behavior. They try to modify their behavior. And so that's what produces religion and fakeness. And there's not a person here that likes fakeness. Amen? You don't buy them fake handbags anymore, do you, ladies? The real ones are much better. You don't order them Jordans from, I won't say what nation, online. You don't order them. Why? Because the fake are not as good as the original. Can I get an amen on that? I didn't want to bust anybody's nation out in here and get you mad, but... And you buy stuff online from a certain country and you come out and them souls will bust out your first time using them, you know? Nobody here likes the fake. We like the real. But here's the thing. You've got to resign to understanding. God is not after modifying your behavior. So, so, you know, I said this last week, so we've got some people, they know how to modify their behavior when I'm around, when my wife's around. You know, oh, and people in church around, oh, I got the church me, and then I got the me me. And that is so fake. Get out of that kind of stuff. Be who you are 24-7. Be a new creature in Christ. Some of y'all still got your homies, and then you got your church friends. Come on, man. That's fake. So let's get away from the performance thing. And let's focus on what we believe about ourselves. And that's what we've been doing in this series. And one of the first hashtags we began to talk about is the understanding that we are family. You are not alone. You are not an orphan. You are a part of God's family. Now, for a lot of us, we don't understand what family, a a, a real family is like because we experience brokenness in our families. Okay. And that's not your fault, but we've got to deal with that now. If you came from a divorced home, the concept of family could be skewed in your eyes. And so when God says, you know, we're, if you're in the family of God, we don't quite grasp what that's about. So I'm trying to break that down to you. And in a family, the family, biblical family that God has set in place, uh, there's a father. There's a father. Some of us were raised without a father or an absent father or a father that all he did was work and provide and wasn't there for you. So when we say God's a good, good father, you really don't know what a good, good father means. So as we sing that song about God being a good, good father, some of us are limited in our thinking. And we think, well, a father uh, is one that, you know, uh, takes me to Chuck E. Cheese. A father is one when I go see him on the weekend, he does fun things with me. But can I just tell you, a good, good father is much more than that. A good, good father is somebody who will spank you. We don't get no amens on that one right there. (laughs) A good, good father is one that will have boundaries. Son, you're coming home at 12. 
That's a good, good father. But see, we, we don't have these concepts. So if you don't have the right concepts, when we say God is your father, you think he's just handing out lollipops. You think he's just going to give you whatever you want because, well, when you got to go see your father on the weekends, all he did was take you Chuck E. Cheese, feed you sugar, stay up and watch movies with you, and that was all your memories of your dad. And those are great memories to have. Amen? But being a good, good father is so much more than just that. Amen? And so we talked about, I'm just quickly reviewing, but you can go on the podcast and listen to these. Uh, we, you know, we, we're, we're looking at uh, this generation has no understanding of what a father is. So we talked about the things that a father does. He creates and enforces boundaries. He creates identity. He creates culture, and he models it. Today's image of a father in the earth, all, of, all people know of a father is that he takes care of physical needs, uh, gives them gifts, but never gives himself. And that's not with the father that we're singing about when we say that God is a good, good father. So we talked about the orphan spirit and the mindset of an orphan. And, and we got into that. Go and listen to that message. But last week, we opened up a thought here, understanding a new hashtag, and that is this. It is the, it is the motto of a mature son. Once you understand that you're in a family, once you understand that in that family there's a father, the next thing you got to understand is what the goal is for your life. God does not, uh, uh, the goal for your life is not for you to be a perfect Christian. It'll never happen. The goal for your life is that you become a perfect, I mean, uh, not to become a perfect son, but that you become a mature son, a mature daughter. God doesn't want perfection from you. All he wants you to do is grow up. That's what he wants. He wants you to grow up. And so we talked about the hashtag that signifies this is understanding it's not about me. Say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. It's not about me. It's not about you. Tell your neighbor it's not about you. Tell your other neighbor it's not about you. Now I now see somebody squaring up right there. Okay. It's not about you. Your marriage, it's not about you. Your family, it's not about you. Your family don't exist to make you happy, Dad. Come on. Who wants to be in that family? We all exist to make Dad happy. Oh, what about this? Oh, we all exist to make Mom happy. Who wants to live in that family? Everybody going home, oh, I, oh, you know, we just got to make mama happy. Got to make mama, make sure mama's good. Is that really how you want it to be, moms? That you control your household through fear? That you can throw, control your, you know, oh, don't, don't set me off. Really? That's how you want your kids to be around you? That's how you want your man to view you? He got to get up the courage in the driveway before he comes home. <sighs> he's taking deep breaths. I oh. oh, she's in a good mood today. He's grabbing that doorknob, praying in tongues. Shandara. And he's praying, Lord, don't let me say nothing dumb. Some of us were raised in homes like that. And you still serving mama like that to this day. You grown and got your own family. 
upset to make mama cry or this. What is that? Why? Because in those homes, that person didn't ever grow up and understand my family, my marriage, my life is not about me. It's not about me. Right? My church, it's not about me. And I'm the pastor. And it ain't about me. It ain't about me. You know, the, the music we sing here and, and listen to, that ain't my kind of music. That's my, I'm not bumping that at home. I'll bump it in prayer. But I'm not, I'm not bumping it at home. But well, guess what? It's not about me. It's not about me. Sometimes we sing songs I don't really like. <laughs> Praise and worship team's like, dang, Pastor. <laughs> no, but let me lead the charge. Let me lead the charge. It's not about me. So maybe sometimes Christine thinks, man, we need to do this song. Okay, do it. Unless it's kind of crazy, you know. We'll pull the trigger on that. Or maybe our guitarist, Diego, you know, they, got to, they want to do a song. He's like, dang, there ain't no good riffs in that for me. I don't really want to do that. But guess what he does? He does the song anyway. Because it's not about him. It's not about her. It's not about me. Are you guys tracking with this? So the reason I want to spend some time on this is because this has been the reason for, for most of the pain in most of our lives. We got around people or we were raised by people that thought it was all about them. Maybe you had a dad. He thought it was all about him. Had a mom. You'll be a terrible parent when it's all about you. Your kids will grow up and they will resent you because you made it all about you. Marriages break up. Because two selfish people connect and they get married and they have their reasons for getting married. We do marriage counseling. And uh, one of the questions we always ask is, why are you getting married? Then the other question is this. Well, why this person? And, you know, every single person has selfish reasons. Well, I want this. In a, and it's single people, you know how it is. We got our lists, right? Take it before the Lord. We pray over him. Lord, this is what I want him to be like. I want him to this. I want him to that. And it's all self-serving. And then God just flips it on you. And he brings somebody that is the complete opposite of you. Do y'all ever realize that in good marriages, most of the times, the couples are exact opposite? My wife and I are so opposite in so many ways. But it's kind of like what Rocky Balboa said back in the day. We fill gaps. She got gaps, I got gaps, we fill gaps. And the things that I don't have that she has make me better. But can I just tell you this? They weren't on my list. They weren't on my list. So you know what you got to do with that list? You got to rip that list up. And on your list, what I want in a spouse, put this. It's not about me. And then you start praying these prayers. Y'all ready for this? You start praying these prayers. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So we start looking at what a mature son is. So 1 Corinthians 12 says, uh, 13, 11 said this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understand as a child, thought as a child. But when I became a man or a woman, I put away childish 
things. Guys, it's time we put away childish things. And there's so much of Christianity that's straight childish. It's ridiculous how childish Western Christianity is. That's why I love going to the nations. It opens up my eyes. See, this thing, Christianity, wasn't, wasn't invented in America. It was invented in the Middle East by somebody named Jesus. And it looks a lot different through those lenses. And some of you that have come from other nations and have been with me on missions trips, listen, you understand what I'm talking about. There's a mentality in our Western Christianity that is so wrong that we got to get over. And getting over it means this. we got to stop being childish about God and the things of God. Now, we talked about this last week. What is the mentality of a child? It's all about me. That's the mentality of a child. You don't believe me? Go work in the children's nursery. And all you're hearing is this. Mine. Mine. No. Mine. And then, and then the teacher comes in and takes it and says, no, no, you have to share. Kid gets to do something. Okay, I'm taking. Who needs to go to the bathroom? Okay, well, I can take two. I'll take you two. The three left behind. I'm going to come back and get you. You stay here. Oh, but I want to go now. It's funny, right? It's funny till you're 30 doing that in church. Well, how come, they, how come they get to sing up there? How come they're on the youth team and I'm not? How, what, what's up with that? How come, how come, how come I, I can't be an usher and, and, and be a head usher? Oh, how come they only hang out with those people? How come? Come on. See, it ain't cute. It ain't cute. And then what do we do? We, we act childish because it's all about you. We go, oh, I, my season's up at this church. My season's up. I'm, oh, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go here. And, I'm gonna go, and you're going to stay there until they do it to you there. Yeah. And it's going to happen there. You want to know why it's going to happen there? Because it ain't about you. So you're going to learn this lesson now or you're going to learn it later. The problem with learning it later is you've got lives that have been affected because of your absence, because of your inability to step up and suck it up, buttercup. Right? But I also, we also have another saying, too, and this is a grown-up saying. You know, it's a grown-up saying. If you can't hack it, get your jacket. I know we're never going to grow up, grow a church saying that. Amen. But we might grow up people. Because at some point you got to realize church is not about me. My marriage is not about me. My family's not about me. My career is not about me. Here's a better one. My Christianity is not about me. God's job is to not make is to is not to make all your dreams come true. It's not his job. You know who has the job? Our job is to find the will of God and do it. I'm going to prove it to you today. So we also see in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, brethren, do not be childish in understanding. However, in malice, be babes. That means in evil stuff, be innocent as a child, but in understanding, be mature. And we talked about this last week in the book of Galatians, and I won't have time to get into that. Go listen to that message in the book of Ephesians. We talk about it as well, that all of us, because now we understand we are family, people in a family have an inheritance. 
But there's a condition to get your inheritance, the same condition that the United States of America uses, the state of California uses. You do not get your inheritance until, (coughs) excuse me, until you mature. Until you mature. So when a child's parent dies, the parent was a millionaire, but now the child is only 10. He doesn't get the inheritance till he turns 18. So you get adopted into the family of God. But remember, you're born again as a baby. You have an inheritance, the scripture tells us. You have everything that God has. You have an inheritance. When you pray, he'll answer. When you need something, he'll do it. But guess what? You've got to come to the age of maturity. Once you mature, you'll possess your inheritance. Once you mature, you can walk in your calling. But we've got people that don't want to mature, and they expect their million-dollar inheritance to come on their lap. It doesn't work like that in the United States of America, and it doesn't work like that in the kingdom. God's not giving you your inheritance until you grow up. Until you grow up. Until you understand this hashtag, it's not about me. As long as it's about you, that's a sign you're immature. That's a sign you're childish. But when you can start, you know, uh, raising your kids from this aspect, you could start viewing your spouse from this aspect. You could start viewing your church from this part of saying, hey, it's not about what I'm getting. It's about what I'm giving out. Then you're mature. But until then, the Bible says that we have to be mentored, we have to be parented, we have to be taught by who? Ephesians says, the fivefold ministry. So that's why we go to church. That's why we get around pastors and leaders so that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers can grow you up. And we still got crazy people. Y'all could be a Christian and don't go to church. You just won't grow. And if you don't grow, you don't inherit. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life more abundantly. The Message Bible says, Jesus said, I've come to make your life better than you could ever dream. One condition, you got to grow up a little. Because think about if God gave us our inheritance as children, we'll squander it. We'll hurt others with it. Same thing that would happen if you give a 10-year-old a million dollars. He's going to kill himself. Look what happens when we give these teen stars a million dollars. They get strung out on drugs. Come on. They get, all, they get depressed. They kill themselves. What's that club they got? The 27 club? Is it 27? These stars kill themselves by 27? Because they got their inheritance too soon. A good, good father ain't going to do that. A good, good father's like, okay, I got you. Just grow a little. And I've set five-fold ministry in the house to grow you up. So get around them. Hear from them. Take notes in church. Listen. Acquire it. Start, start doing what you're taught. And as you do, you grow up. And as you grow up, guys, here's what you got to understand. 
that's when the magic happens. That's when you get to walk in the promises of God and see your dreams fulfilled. When you begin to understand it ain't about you. You know, when I, when I got, when I was 19 years old and God called me into the ministry, I really, just because of the immaturity in my life, it's interesting. The pictures that I saw that God showed me I was going to do, in my mind, it was all about me. I'm going to go to the nations. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm, I'm. It was the beginning of that. So then God puts me in a process. What? To grow me up. He grow me up. Because if he would have put me on a plane at that moment and gave me the platform that I now have, I'd have heard a lot of people. Because I'll be honest with you, in those early days of serving God, it was all about me. And for some of you, you got dreams. And this, I see it on Facebook and Instagram and all these conferences. I'm not just talking about Christian conferences. People are just pushing success down your throat. You can be a success. You can be this. You can make a million dollars, and it's all about you. We need to flip that and understand this. It's not about me. It's about God and about other people. So God put me through a process, and in that process, he put me in a church. Because why? Church is where you grow. That's why don't you dare miss it, because this might be the week you get a growth spurt. This might be the, the, the week, boom, you shot up three inches. Wow. But we got some people come to church once a month. How you going to do at the gym once a month? You, you ain't growing. You might, be, you might grow this way. But you, ain't, you ain't growing up. And we treat God like, oh, it's just an option. This is, listen, you know, we, we bring our old habits from our old religions in. Like going to the Catholic church, and I'm not picking on them. Don't get mad at me. Amen. Smile at your pastor. You talk about Catholic church, people get upset. I'm not trying to talk. I'm just trying to tell you the mentality is different. When you go to the, when we used to go to the Catholic church, because I used to go to St. Rose over there with my, my man Mondo and everything, got filled with the Holy Spirit over there in one of the prayer meetings. So I ain't, I ain't throwing rocks, but I'm just telling you. The mentality is you go, you go to Mass. You showed up, you did your deal, you go, and you're cool. That's not the mentality with Christianity. The mentality is you, you build community. Because in that community, you'll grow. Amen? That's why it's not enough to be a Sunday a Christian. Because you got to give yourself over to growth. Why? Because if you can grow up, God can release more of your inheritance to you. Are you tracking with me? But we got to learn that it's not about us. Amen? The goal of a believer is not perfection, it's maturity. Jesus was the perfect example of a mature son. And we know this because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Which is the true purpose of sonship? The true purpose of a son in a good family is that he reflects the values of the mother and father. That's a good son or a good daughter. You reflect the values of the people that raised you. So if I look at the Browns and I look at their kids, I should see their kids' values in them at some point. It's a working process, amen? amen. Same thing with my kids, too. It's a working process. They're still young. But at some point, my kids should reflect the values of my wife and I. 
Or here's the thing. Get ready for this. Or they're not good sons and daughters. Don't look at my kids, look at your own. You got your own kids to worry about. I'm worrying about my kids. See, we don't, we don't think like that because some of us are still immature. Can I just help you with something? Quit blaming parents for how you came out. Are you a good son? Well, I didn't have a dad, but you had a mom that you had up crying every night until one in the morning till you got home, that you put through hell. She had to go to court for you all the time, praying, crying her eyes out. Judge, don't take away my meat. Was that a good son? Getting real quiet in this Presbyterian church. See, because we got to take some ownership of this thing, too. You got to be a mature son. Amen? And Jesus is our example. He's the example. He said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And we talked about this, and I want to really dive into this for a minute here. The characteristics of a mature child of God. This is the goal. Number one, this is how you know you're mature. You are submitted under authority. Immature people, immature Christians hate authority. They hate it. And guess who else hates it? Babies. Babies hate it. Go to the nursery. Kids doing something wrong. No, no, you can't do that. Well, we got 20-year-olds acting like that, 30-year-olds acting like that. No, a mature person understands this. You got to be under authority. Jesus modeled this in John chapter 5, 18 through 19. I want you to look at this on the screen there. John, John 5, 18 through 19, it says this. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Listen to, listen to why. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father. Man, this revelation that God is our father, they, that's, this, he paid a price for that. Look what else it says. Making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also in like manner. Now, do you realize Jesus had all power, all authority, but he submitted it to his father? Catch this. Write this down. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I'm just going to let that marinate over you right now. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Why? Because you should be under the Father's authority. Under the Father's authority. You know, when we moved to Sacramento, I had already been preaching in about, at that point, it was probably about 20 nations, and, and, and we're ministering in a church. We were a part of a, a large church of about 1,000 people, and I had already been in uh, ministry for about 15 years. And then call, God called us to Sacramento, and he put us through something that was called a process. And that process lasted about two years. And in that process, I got zero invites to preach anywhere. Nowhere. Nobody was calling me. Nobody was Facebook messaging me. I got zero invitations 
to go anywhere. Guys, that hadn't happened in about 15 years. Nobody was asking me to come preach. Nobody was, was pulling on my gift. And so what did we do? We submitted to what God had us in. I didn't know it was going to last two years. And you know what I did? I said, God, this is where you have me. This is where I'm going to be. Now, I had made my income providing for my family through the ministry for 15 years. But right now, nobody's calling. There's no opportunities. Yet I know God has me in this season. So what do I do? I submit. And you know what I did? I started a business. You know what that business was? A janitor. And I did that janitor job for two years. Why? Because I submitted myself to God. And I learned just because I can preach doesn't mean I should preach if God is not releasing me to do that. But you know what? I know guys and I know girls that they got a gift. They'll go anywhere that that person wants to use that gift. Oh, we want you to sing. Boom, I'm there. Oh, we want you to sing over here. Boom, I'm there. Oh, we want you to preach. Boom, I'm there. And there's nothing wrong with that if God is saying that. But you got to learn something. You've got to learn submission to somebody. And here's the thing most of us hate as, as orphans, as people that don't know God as Father, we hate being told what to do. You got to get free from that. It's not about you. You got to get free from that. Guys, if that's in your life, your life is going to suck. So get over hating being told what to do. We've got people starting businesses because they're, I'm tired of working for a boss. That's a dumb reason. It's a dumb reason. Because if you don't know how to serve a boss, you can never be a boss. Because guess what kind of boss you'll be? The boss that says, it's all about me. And that's a terrible boss. People are going to hate working for you. Turnover rate, it's going to be ridiculous. And you're going to blame everything else. Well, you know, they just don't want to work. No, they don't want to work for you. I always, I always get on the employees, but can I talk to the bosses in the house for a minute? I'm always telling y'all, submit to your bosses. Come on, they're the boss. Don't I always tell you that? But I know we got bosses in the house now, right? Bosses, it's important that you adapt a kingdom mindset. The company does not exist to make you happy. The company exists to fulfill a need. And in the midst of that, things get better for you. Make it a priority to make employees happy. The greatest man in the kingdom is a servant. The greatest. Well, I'm the boss. Then you are the chief servant. Is this helping anybody? Somebody's going, man, I wish my boss was here today. Praise God. (laughs) But this is for the bosses in the house. Amen? So what did Jesus say? Characteristic of a mature son is somebody that's submitted. So we got to get over not being able to be told what to do. Because for the rest of your life, People are going to tell you what to do, and it's not bad. Because you know how you get better? When somebody tells you how to get better. Only things that are going to change your life. You've heard me say this before. The books you read, the people you meet, 
and the messages you hear. But if you don't like nobody telling you what to do, you probably don't like to read. And you definitely don't like messages, at least not from me. And you don't like meeting people because you don't want nobody to tell you you're doing it wrong. Get over that. You know how you get better? You get better when someone tells you, hey, man, don't do it like this. Do it like this. That's it. What is that called? Being under authority. And so it's really difficult for some of us that didn't have fathers. It's real difficult. You're full of anger. That's why you got in trouble at high school so much, because you never wanted to do what the teacher said. She would say, all right, I want everybody to be quiet. Well, I don't want to be quiet. Well, I'm mad, so I'm going to do what I do. You got to learn. You got to get rid of that. You got to come under authority if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be a mature son and get your inheritance. Is this too grown for some of y'all today? Is this helping anybody today? Because I don't want to have a fantasy fake church that shows up for a show on Sunday. I want people that are dominating their lives. I want to see your life get better. I want to see you go to the nations. I want to see you really be what you're called to be. I want to see your marriage really get better. I want to see your kids be kept out of the courtroom. Amen? So this is how we get there. We grow up. Number two, second thing Jesus said, if you're going to be, or Jesus modeled, if you're going to be a mature child of God, you got to serve others. You got to serve others. How are you a Christian, but don't do nothing? How is this your church, but you don't serve? You got to serve. Tell your neighbor, you got to serve. Look what Jesus did in John 13, 3 and 7. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control. For he had come from God and he was about to go back to be with him. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer robe and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' dirty feet, dry them with his towel. But Jesus got to Simon Peter, and he objected and said, I can't let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. And Jesus replied, you don't understand the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. You know what Jesus was doing? He was teaching us that the greatest man is a servant. And we don't understand foot washing here, you know. I know some old school churches used to still do it. Anybody go to a church, they still be washing feet? Good for them. Amen. (laughs) Happy for them. We ain't washing feet here right now. Amen. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Holy Spirit might make us do it. I don't know. But here, check this out. What, What the thing we don't grasp is how nasty and disgusting that was for the day. Remember, in those days, they wore sandals. And they walked on dirty roads. But can you imagine the crust on them feet? Come on, you imagine the biscuit heels on some of them women? They didn't have pedicures. You know that stuff they shave off? Oh, come on, don't get me started. So the lowest thing for the king of kings to do when he's about to go to the cross... Stay with me now. Look, at the lowest thing for him to do was to get up and wash these people's feet. The disciples are saying, what are you doing? Because they didn't understand. He was modeling how, it, you're, how to be great. You serve. You serve. You serve. 
It's what we do. Birds fly, cats meow, followers of Jesus Christ serve. And if you're a member of this house, listen, we need you. We need you. You know, to move a piano, it's a lot easier with 20 people than three people. To do what God's called us to do in South Sacramento, it's a lot easier if everybody just does their part. But when we got people that say Jesus is their Lord, he's their father, and they don't do their part, the rest of us feel it. Could it be this is why pastors uh, are, are wanting to quit the ministry at an alarming rate in 2020? For every church that opens up, there's three that close. You want to know why? Because nobody's growing up. Nobody's interested in being a mature son. They still think church is all about them. And when you think church is all about you, you stay at a church until there's something newer and cooler in town. Then you go jump into the newer and cooler tank. And you stay there until that gets old. And then you jump to the newer one that's coming that has better music, better lights, gives better cookies to the kids, whatever it is. Uh, And then you're there until that gets old and then you go to the next one. Why? Because you have not learned it's not about you. So what a mature person does, you ready? They serve. Ask yourself this before you leave today. Who are you serving? If you're not serving anybody, you know what? You're going to stay immature. And those dreams that you keep asking God for, he wants to give them to you so bad, but you just won't grow up. He can't give you that inheritance till you turn 18, till you grow up and learn It's not about you. And nothing teaches you it's not about you more than serving. And so Jesus, King of Kings, says, hey, I'm going to show you how it's done. But it goes even further. Look what it says in Philippians 2, 6 and 9 in the Passion Translation. It says this. He, speaking of Jesus, existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of the outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. God left his throne and became a slave to righteousness. That's the model. I'll never forget when I came on staff at a church in Florida, I met with the pastor and I'd been there probably a year or so. And he said, hey, how, how, how far in are you in this thing? I said, man, I'm here. He said, are you willing to lay down the vision that God gave you and pick up my vision? I didn't answer right away. I said, hmm, let me pray about that. I left, went in prayer. I said, God, this is, a, this is a heavy burden. You showed me I was going to do this. You showed me I was going to do this. You showed me I really wanted, I want to do this. See, it was all about me. And then God showed me in the scriptures where he said, in order to gain your life, you must lose it. And he said this, I want you to lay down, bury in the ground your vision for your life. And I want you to serve this man's vision. I cried that night because all those mental pictures I had of how great I was going to be and what I was going to do and the family I was going to have. This is before I even met Tina. I put them in the ground that day. I said, God, if this is what you want, not my will, but yours be done. I went back to my pastor's office after the weekend. I said, Pastor, I'm in. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I prayed about it and I'm putting every desire I have for ministry in the ground and I'm going to serve you. 
pastor gave me a hug. He said, that's all I needed to know. Let's go. Let's run. I, I ended up staying there probably nine more years. Had no desire. I met my wife, and she says, hey, you know, what are you called to do? I said, I'm called to serve this man's vision. She says, well, I'm down as long as you ain't called the pastor of church. I said, I'm not. <laughs> she says, you lied. No, I didn't lie. Understand this. I had given that dream up. If God, if, if God would have asked me to serve there the rest of my days, I would have. But you know what actually happened? It was me growing up. And when I reached the appropriate age, you know what God did? He went over to where I buried my dreams, pushed off the dirt. He resurrected them the same way he resurrected Jesus. And he said to me, now you're ready. And we were shocked. What? I, don't, I, I didn't even want it then. I didn't want it then. He said, no, I put this in you when I made you. And he gave it to us. And we're walking in a portion. We're not even all the way there. We're walking in a portion of what he put in my life. But do you know how I got it? I got it by dying to it and understanding that it's not about me. See, there's an age of maturity. When are you going to get there? That marriage is not about you. That career is not about you. See, we try to manipulate God as immature sons. Well, God, if, if you bless me, then I'm going to build you a church. If you make me famous, God, then, then, then I'll be able to tithe and, and, and do this for you. Like God's really needing what, what you got? He, he, he don't need what you got. He'll take a bunch of people from South Sac and build a church. You leave your filthy money over there. He don't need you. And we do that. We manipulate God. Well, you know, I remember seeing an interview with a performer. And he goes, yeah, on every album I make, I put the last song. I make it a gospel song because I just want to show God that I'm thankful. Never mind every other song was booty, 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 booty everywhere. <laughs> but see, what is that? It's manipulation. It's manipulation. Well, God, if you bless me, then I'll give you yours. See, it's still all about you. Some of you praying for careers, and it's all about you. Well, you know, when God makes me a lawyer, when God does it, then I'm going to give back. What? Immaturity. Immature. Until you get to the place to where, like, God, not my will, it's yours be done. I'll use my gift for you. I'll use my abilities for you. Tell me what moves to make. Tell me where to go. Are you tracking with me? That's serving others, and Jesus modeled that. Number three, I'm almost done. Help me up here, Diego. Number three, Jesus is generous. Guys, the greatest mark of immaturity is stinginess. The greatest mark of how immature you are is your inability to be generous. I said that thing about about a single mom. Man, I would say two-thirds of us in here could meet that need. Two-thirds of us out of our maturity could go, I could spot that single mom's kid. Here, and I'll give you an extra to get a kid, one of his friends from the neighborhood to go with him. Would be no big deal. But see, the issue is this. It's maturity. Because a mature son and daughter of God, they're generous. You want to know why they're generous? Because they know their daddy. And our daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So we're generous. But someone who is immature, they don't tithe, they don't give, they just take. They complain about the offering. 
really? Really? You got to grow up because you don't get it yet. You don't get it yet. And if, if you come here and think I am trying to get your money, then you shouldn't come back. Plus, if I was just about money, I'm dumb. Because what the heck am I doing planting a church in South Sac? I'm the dumbest money-grubbing pastor there is. Because I should be up in Rockland, Folsom. Come on, somebody. I should be in the Bay getting them Bay dollars. Silicon Valley dollar, Facebook money. That's where I should be. So if you think that, if you think that, don't come back. As if it's not working, uh, guys, if you think that, don't come back. Yeah. 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 But really, it's an excuse for immaturity. Immaturity just, oh, this stingy. I, I, no, man, get free of that. Yeah. Nothing grows you up like writing a tithe check every week. Yeah. That's That'll grow you up. Yeah. Yeah. It was a season I wrote that in tears, Lord. <laughs> I, tr- I trust you, Lord. I'm trusting you. You know what I could do with that, God? But it grows you up. Jesus was generous. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came close to them and he said, all authority of the universe has given to me. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You know what he was doing? He said, hey, I have all authority. Now I give it to you. You know what? Once I learned this thing wasn't about me, that's when the fun started. You hear me say all the time, I've been to over 40 different nations and counties. But you know what the thing that has brought me the most joy? The most joy in that equation, in that vision God gave me, is I never knew that I would take over a hundred different people with me to the nations. See, when God said, I'm going to take you to the nations, I thought it was about me. Oh, I get to go do this. No, you know what it was? He's like, I need you to go to the nations because I got a young Mexican kid who went to Valley High School, has a hearing problem, and he's been single a very long time. And I got this young girl in Nueva Ecija in the Philippines crying out for a husband, but not just any husband. She looked around the village, and she's like, nope, 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 nope. So she looked at her father and said, God, you got to bring him. So with this thing on my life, I got to go to the nations. I bring Eddie. Falls in love. You watch the legacy they bring. You watch. It's not about me. Then I go to the Dominican Republic with my brother. Y'all need to come on a mission trip with me. My brother had went through a, a failed marriage early on, had been single oof, many years. We go on this trip together. I see this woman in the church. I say, who's that? The pastor says, oh, that's our intercessor. She prays over all the needs in the house. My brother sees her. He looks at me. I say, is she single? They say, yep, never been married. She's in her 30s. Never mind my brother was gaining on 50. Long story short, they meet. 
long story short, they meet. My brother, they fall in love. They get married. And at 53 years old, my brother has his first son. So everything God told me I was going to do, I thought it was about me. It ain't about me. Because then I take another couple with us to the Philippines. And they propose and get married. When God told us to start Elevate Life Church, it wasn't so that it wasn't for me and my family. It was so some of you could meet. Jesse Delgado walks into a church at a middle school on the other side of town. He ain't even from South Sac. We jumped him in, though. We jumped him in. <laughs> he comes because he heard. And when he gets here, he sees a nice young lady who's been serving God faithfully her whole life. He says, who's that? I said, you better back off. You better, you better pay some dues. Who are you? But guess what happens? They fall in love in this place. I remember doing the awakenings where Miguel and Adriana got engaged. See, none of this is about me. And none of this is about you. You know what it's about? It's about the Father. And if I can get a whole bunch of people that realize it's not about me, think of the amazing dreams that'll come around us. Think how great your marriage will be when you stop looking at your husband as the one that serves your needs. Really? That's the I don't want to, I don't want everybody serving my needs. Because I get no joy in that. I get joy when my wife's happy. I like seeing when my kids are blessed. If it's all about me, we don't get to experience any of that. The faster you get this revelation, guys, the faster you grow up. And everything that I just mentioned about serving, about giving, about being submitted, which means listening to people, being generous, all those things will grow you up. The last two we don't have time for, but he endured suffering and sacrifice. And the last one was obeying your father. Write these things down and check your life and say, God, am I doing these things? Or is my life all about me? My career all about me? Because you can live that way, but you guess, guess what will happen? You will hurt everybody around you to get your needs met. Some of us were raised by a mom like that, raised by a dad like that. It sucked. It hurt. Think how incredible life can be when you realize, put that hashtag up, that it's not about me. My job doesn't exist to make me happy. My family doesn't exist to make me happy. My husband or wife doesn't exist to make me happy. I gotta be happy through my relationship with God and who he's created me to be. And if I can get my happiness, my fulfillment from God and his purpose, then I can serve everybody around me. And life gets so good. Stand on your feet. This is who you are. You're a son. A mature son. You're a daughter. A mature daughter. Singles. These men of God are waiting to find you. Ladies. 
These men of God are waiting to find a woman that understands it ain't about her. These women of God, incredible women of God, are waiting to find a man that gets it and understands that it's not about him. And married couples... faster you adjust this in your thinking and understand that when you're just trying to get your needs met, how babyish that is, you watch things will change. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.